You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name. Joining me as always is my good friend Frank Madden. And Frank, print the t-shirts. Print the 16 and 1 t-shirts or I guess in this situation would be the 50 and 14 t-shirts. Because the Bucks got a chance to break up the Rockets streak tonight and they are streak breakers and they just might do it. Is that okay or should is that a bad idea? weirder things have happened you know uh we always say never trust the bucks and sunday uh, again not that the sixers are anywhere close to as good as the rockets but you know i i I sort of half jokingly tweeted that i thought the bucks would lose but then again maybe never trust the bucks can work in the good way as well um and and certainly that would have to apply on wednesday if the bucks are gonna have a chance to to beat a team that's won 16 in a row and as you said they are record wise the best team in basketball right now and, you know, we can maybe take a little bit of solace from having seen the Bucks actually play the Rockets to the final minute um, in Houston uh, a couple months back. Um, but again, this is a team that uh, they are they are, uh, you know, the most extreme team in basketball, uh, not just in wins. They're they're going to be a fascinating team, I think, to watch for Bucks fans if you don't see the Rockets very much because they just they do play just differently than any other team ever in the history of basketball. Um, and so it'll be, I think a fun game to watch and just in terms of styles and, and clashing of styles. And, you know, we can obviously we'll get into a little bit kind of what to look out for. Cause I think certainly the Rockets beg questions and, and make you have to really assess, are you going to play your normal lineups? Are you going to play your normal style or, you know, do you have to bend what you do to, to them? Because again, they are, they're just different. All right, we will get into that a, a little bit later on. That'll be kind of how we wrap up the pod today, previewing that game. Um, but the one thing we wanted, I teased it a little bit yesterday, and we wanted to talk a little bit about it, was um, it was something our friend Matt Velasquez had brought up in the last couple of days, but the Bucks have... Uh, they have a first round pick that is going out at some time uh, for Eric Bledsoe in that trade. Um, and there's some protections on it. And uh, I guess some of the discussion I kind of wanted to have was if it's going this year, how likely it's going this year. Um, do you want it to go this year and kind of get into some of that? But um, it, it's just kind of a, a difficult spot because also the Bucks won't have a second round pick this year whether it goes to the suns or goes to let's see um it goes to the nets brooklyn um whether it goes to either of those teams it is gone um so if the first rounder goes as well that would be no picks uh here in the summer so um i guess let's first go to kind of what the bucks need to do to keep that pick or i guess if you're thinking about it differently what the bucks would 
would have to do to lose that pick? Like how how would things have to go for them to lose it? So what are the protections on that, Frank? And what does that look like as of right now? Sure. So it's protect has different protections over the next few years. Um, and again, the, the thought has generally been that it was most likely to convey in 2020. Um, and but but right now we're in the situation where because the Bucks are, um, you know, basically depending on tie breaks and like that, they're basically one of the first teams, you know, basically they'd have one of the first picks outside the lottery, um, the pick would convey. So I think Tankathon has uh, the Bucks at, let's see, the 16th um, pick conveying to Phoenix. Ironically, Miami is is right there with them um, due to a loss. Miami's now 15th. Uh, and that also goes to Phoenix as part of the Goran Dragic trade. So right now, uh, if the season ended today, the Suns would get both the Rockets, or sorry, both the Heat and Bucks picks at the 15 and 16 spots. But um, it is top 10 protected, and it's 17 to 30 protected. So the interesting thing is that it would only convey if it's between you know 11 and 16. Um, and the the way it kind of changes over the next couple of years is next year it's also 17 to 30 protected, but instead of top 10, it's top three protected. So if the wheels kind of come off the bucks more, then they only have top three protection. And then in 2020, the 17 to 30 thing goes away and it's top seven protected. So obviously, you know, if you're the bucks, you know, I think your, your, your ideal thing would be, well, let's be really good in 2020 and have that be a pick in the twenties. And then it's not as bad as, you know, conveying the 16th pick this year or, you know, wherever it, it might end up, you know, 15 or 16, if assuming you make the playoffs this year. So that's sort of where it is. And, and in 2021, if, if the bucks were in the top seven in 2020 and it's kept it that year as well, then it would be completely unprotected in 2021. So, um, so that gives you kind of a sense of, of how it moves. And again, if the bucks are actually going to live up to, <laughs> you know, their billing, then it would seem most likely that you would expect the Bucks to be somewhere in that 17 to 30 range. Um, we obviously know the Bucks have been in that range twice in the last three years where they've picked Rashad Vaughn, Gih, and, and <laughs> DJ Wilson, double Gih, uh, in the 17 <laughs> spots. And so, you know, in both of those years, the pick would not have conveyed. Um, so the idea that the Bucks would actually be basically picking worse this year than they did two of the last three years um, is uh, is not a happy one, given, obviously, the expectations that this team, you know, is supposed to be progressing and getting better and better. So, so yeah, that's just a general sense. You know, again, I think at the time, the you know, the thought was most likely this is a pick that would convey in 2020. Um, but right now, if you took the, you know, snap the picture today, uh, it would convey at that 16 spot. And, um, you know, there's obviously some real consequences for that. Um, you know, from a financial perspective, uh, that if I think the 16th pick this year uh, is about, a, or actually I think it's a 17th pick, is basically a $2 million rookie scale cap hold. Um, so basically 120% of that, about $2.4 million, let's say. So that amount actually counts against the Bucks cap um, even before they sign that pick. So, uh, and then when they do, then then that guy's you know salary goes against the Bucks um, cap number and their tax number. So that's actually you know that that's the only possible upside of I I would argue of losing the pick this year is that <laughs> because the Bucks are so stretched financially uh, and you know again uh, we can always you know say well Toledovich is still a good chance to. Um, be medically retired by November and then that number comes off the books you know not knowing exactly what's going to happen there um, the two million the only possible upside and keep in mind I'm not saying this is a good thing that you lose your first round pick but you would get a couple million bucks basically off your cap sheet now 
you know, again, that's also a player you wouldn't have um, that you, you know, presumably need to fill the roster spot with somehow. But um, that's really the only silver lining to this at all is that the Bucks' previous overspending, um, you know, would would be maybe slightly less felt. So you have a little bit more room uh, to sign Jabari Parker or whatever this summer. But that's the basic ins and outs of it. Um, and obviously you didn't expect to be here, I think. Yeah, I don't think you did. I was going to add... Um Generally, I guess it's kind of easy to just think of like if the Bucks get into the sixth spot in the East, that'll be enough. Um, but also just kind of keep in mind, Frank was talking about in the 16th spot because of what's happening in the Western Conference as well. Like that all plays in there. Like you're going off of uh, percentages, not just like the seeds of all that. So you Again, I don't know if you need to keep an eye on it. Uh, I don't know if you need to keep an eye on the bottom of the Western Conference playoff race. Um, I'm sure that we can do that as that gets close. Um, But you are kind of thinking about the entire landscape of the NBA and kind of how all that works. And I guess part of the reason why I think this just becomes really interesting is because I think when you see who's at the top of the Eastern Conference, you might find matchups that you think are more desirable. Like we don't necessarily know who's going to finish one, two, or three, um, and maybe all of a sudden someone surges into the third spot that you want to play, or you want to play the Raptors or the Celtics more than the other one, and you could be in a spot where you could potentially be in the playoffs no matter what. Because I don't know if the Pistons will really have any say in this, but you'll have a chance to either drop down and play the Raptors or maybe move up and play the Celtics. Like you're going to have that option and you're going to be playing a team in Philadelphia on Wednesday, April 11th for the final game of the season that may also be trying to do the same thing. Like they may also be trying to figure that out. So you could think in your head like, okay, well the one or the two matchup might be better, but in reality, if you drop to that matchup and give yourself a better chance, then you're going to lose your pick. And I don't know, like the, the, the math on all of it just becomes kind of interesting because I think when the trade first happened, I don't think anyone was imagining having to talk about a six, seven or eight seed or where they'd be. Um, and if they'd be conveying their pick and now all of a sudden you are, and that could affect, how you have to treat those final games where um, maybe strategically it'd be better to lose that game and say rest Giannis or whatever it may be, but you can't do it because you want to keep your pick. Like, it's just, it's, it's a weird spot. Yeah. And uh, in a couple of weeks, the Clippers are coming to Milwaukee um, for the back half. Uh, I actually, I, actually do the Bucks play the Clippers. The they have, Bucks haven't played the Clippers in LA either. Right. Um, no, they have not. Remember. March 27th, yeah. they have them in L.A. March 21st, they have them at the B.C. Yeah, so um, that March 21st game, that in the monthly uh, report that ESPN does on games that are basically negative rest games where you'd expect one team to have a major advantage, that's actually a major advantage game for the Bucks over the Clippers due to the Clippers' schedule uh, leading up to that point. So that's a game that you really want to win for many reasons. You want to win it because obviously you want to bank uh, a home win. Um, you want to win it because, you know, of all the congestion in the East and the playoff picture and the fact that, you know, you're still only four or say five games up on the Pistons who again have been lagging and not making other than that game where they throttled the bucks. I mean, they really haven't been doing anything to, to make up ground on the Eastern playoff picture. 
Um, but yeah, you, you, you don't want to be in those seven, eight spots and, and be facing one of those top teams. And obviously the potential of losing that pick this year is, is a bad thing. So, um, the Clippers who are 34 and 28, as we're recording this, they are losing to the Pelicans, uh, in LA. So they might drop back, uh, another, uh, another half game closer, uh, to the bucks in the standings there. So, you know, if there's any team that you're paying attention to in the east um the clippers the nuggets uh at 35 and 29 they're they're all very congested right now um at the bottom of that playoff picture there's going to be a good team probably that misses out on the playoffs um and it's fascinating i mean the spurs and timberwolves are shockingly close to not being in the playoffs right now um and again not that i'm predicting they'll miss the playoffs but certainly with jimmy butler being out um the spurs with all the strangeness around Kawhi and whether he comes back or not and some of the problems they've been having um you know it'll be interesting to see so all that stuff could actually matter to the bucks for for the reason of that pick and you know i think the the big reason for me and and you know again you know uh i, I don't think you you know yeah you could argue well, well get it over with you know convey it then you eliminate the possibility of you know, some horrible Giannis injury in 2019 and, you know, you convey a top 10 pick or something like that, right? I mean, that's yeah. also possible, right? That, that's probably the the worst case scenario is that a couple of years from now when those sort of top 10, top three projection uh, protections kind of get eliminated, um, that you, you know, have some situation where the wheels come off for some reason when you thought you were going to be good. And then that pick is super valuable and, oh, shit. You gave it away yeah. three years ago for for Eric Bledsoe, and who knows where he is at that point. So, um, so uh, you know the the only upside of of conveying it this year would be that you know you eliminate the possibility of you know losing um, a pick in in a scenario like that down the road. Um, and yes, you do get a little bit of relief this year, although it's not the kind of relief that obviously you would want. So that that would be the only positives. Um, but the big negative is, you know, you want to be you want to be finding these you know, these, these cheap rookie deal assets and finding these guys who can be rotation players, maybe not next year, you know, maybe the guy isn't going to be an immediate contributor, you know, if, if it's a pick in the, you know, 17, 18, 19 range, but hopefully it's a guy that in 2019 and 2020, when Giannis is squarely in his prime, that that's a guy who's actually contributing and he's going to be yeah. really cheap still. And, you know, years three or four of that rookie deal, you want to be hitting on those picks and obviously, you know, not having a second round pick, I mean, that's the only place the Bucks have gotten value the last few years, right? Yeah. I mean, the if ever there was a year for the Bucks to buy a pick, um, especially if they lose a pick, um, just to save face, um, I mean, they should be trying their darndest to buy a pick just to, you know, get something in the pipeline uh, and hope that you get, you know, maybe you hit another Malcolm Brogdon type triple or home run or whatever you want to call Malcolm Brogdon um, or even... Sterling Brown, you know, a guy that can actually give you some minutes. So, um, so that's that's I think the big thing that's at stake here is you know this guy that you're potentially going to lose, miss out on in the first round um, is a guy that you hope can can be a contributor a couple of years from now when Giannis is going to be you know 25, 26 years old. And obviously, we've talked about the summer of 2020. That's when Giannis is eligible for the supermax, and if he passes on signing a you know 240 million dollar contract extension, then you got to think long and hard about where this franchise is going in that next year or risk losing for nothing in 2021. So, so again, that that's, I think the big picture rationale. Um, The cynic would obviously say, well, do you even trust these guys to make the right pick? You know, Um, we can say as much as we want that DJ Wilson is only a rookie and it may take a while, blah, blah, blah. I mean, they just picked up Shabazz Muhammad and played him 
because nobody in this coaching staff seems to have any belief that DJ Wilson can play any NBA basketball. Yep. Um, and, and that's, I mean, that's a failure right there. You know, I mean, you hope that DJ Wilson eventually figures something out, but he's not a young rookie. I don't think he was a raw rookie in the sense of raw players. You know, it's not like he's some 18 year old kid who couldn't, you know, shoot a ball and just started playing two years ago. I mean, this is a guy that is older than the average draft pick and he has not been ready for NBA and he may never be right. This could be Rashad Vaughn 2.0, obviously. So that makes the pressure on whatever you do in this year's draft even, even higher. Uh, and you know, that's, that's kind of a, a, a scary thing given that the Bucks history here in the draft of late, it's been pretty backwards. <laughs> They've had some good success in the second round and their first round picks, especially with Fawn not making any progress and not being particularly playable. I mean, they've basically whiffed on their last three um, at this point in terms of getting rotation players. Yeah. And I mean, we've, we've talked about it this entire season. Like that's kind of where you can see the difference for, for teams that have taken another step. Like you look at that Raptors team and yep. uh, they have a bunch of guys that have contributed. And again, you can argue whether or not Siakam's any good and you can argue whether or not Norm Powell's good. He's been largely out of the rotation. Um, OG Ananobi's shooting has kind of came back down to earth. Like you can argue all of those things, which is totally fine, but they've had no fear playing any of those guys. Like they've been fine playing them. And at times they've given minutes, whether or not they're going to be great long-term, like they've actually been unafraid to put them on the floor and they've all had moments and, I don't think you can say that for Rashad Vaughn or DJ Wilson. You can say it for Thon. I would say Thon has had moments, but uh, those other two just just really haven't. And it's a killer. Like if you can't get those those cheap deals and uh, you can't get guys contributing on rookie contracts, well, it makes you makes you look for free agents and well you tend to overpay for free agents and then you tend to get some middling contracts on your books and uh that's what the bucks have right now so i don't know it's now that we kind of have like a chance to breathe i just wanted to talk about this a little bit because we're about to hit this stretch run and kind of think about where the bucks could end up drafting how they would draft um where they're going to be in the playoff picture and who they should want to play and where they should want to end up and I mean, there's a, there's just a bunch of different variables in play and it's, this year is particularly, it's particularly volatile because you look at the Western conference between the third and 10th spot, there's four games between those teams, between the third and the 10th spot. And in the Eastern conference, obviously we've always talked about between the third and the eighth spot there, um, that there's a ton of movement as well. So in that Western conference, those are a bunch of teams that maybe could potentially have records better than the bucks. Like, so all of that stuff is just kind of a part of this math equation to figure out exactly where the bucks end up. So it was something I wanted to talk about. And I think it's interesting to think about if it is better to rip the bandaid off. If you are concerned about a Giannis injury, if you're concerned about something that could really hurt the bucks and then all those protections are gone. Like, I don't know. It's just, it's just, there was obviously risk in that blood cell move. And obviously I think most of the risk that we talked about largely at the time was whether or not blood is a good fit. If his knees can hold up, if he's going to be a great contributor. Um, and 
largely we kind of had to zoom past the pick protections because nothing was really official on it. Um, and I think we got to spend a podcast or two on the protections once the trade went down, but it was in the middle of the season, so we didn't really talk about it. So it was something I wanted to talk a little bit about today. Other thing we need to talk about, the Bucks have a game tonight. They will be playing the Houston Rockets. Uh, the Houston Rockets are currently the best team in basketball with a 15-13 and 13 record. They lead the Western Conference. Uh, they are first overall in offensive rating and eighth overall in defensive rating, those numbers from basketball reference. And the Rockets are really good. There's just not really any other way around it. Um, I feel bad. Your wife is a Rockets fan. She probably should have hosted the podcast tonight. Um, but <laughs> yeah, since you have some, some Rockets fan in you, um, let's, let's hear it. What do you, what's the scouting report here for the Houston Rockets? Well, I think the most interesting thing that, that I'm curious to see is, um, you know, how do the Bucks? match up with the Rockets and and not so much, you know, Harden and Paul, um, because those guys at least fit into some general sort of typical sense of like positional fit. You know, they're both basically lead ball handlers. Um, and, and the Bucks obviously, you know, don't have anybody that can stop either of those guys per se, but, um, they're, you know, they're, they're at least guys that, you know, you, you see, you're used to it a little bit. Um, the thing that makes them so funky is, you know, and tonight's a good example, the Rockets going to Oklahoma City. And, and again, this is important, right? I mean, if you're going to have any chance to beat the Rockets, getting them on the second night of a back-to-back where they played you know, a road game that ended fairly late in Oklahoma City, they got to travel to Milwaukee and then play the next day. Um, that obviously helps. You know, the game was, they had it in control uh, throughout the fourth quarter. But, uh, you know, Harden and Paul played till the end of the game. They played, I think, 33 minutes for Paul, 36 for Harden. So, you know, they didn't have like a night off or anything like that. So that's you know, ingredient one, I guess. Um, but what I think what makes them so interesting is, you know, late in the game tonight, I mean, they didn't have it, um, you know, they were in control, but Clint Capella, Clint Capella is like a phenomenal fit for them, right? I mean, the, the yeah. pick and roll chemistry he has with Harden and Paul is, is terrific. I mean, there's no place that Clint Capella probably would rather be than in Houston. Um, you know, he's become just such a valuable piece for them defensively and offensively as a rim runner um and he's just improved so much over these last few years he's going to get you know a, a huge contract this summer i think the only question is you know if if lebron did make a, a show an interest in coming to houston like you know that he's obviously that's the big question how do you keep capella uh as well as as make a move for lebron but i i imagine daryl Morey could figure something like that out but clint capella wasn't in the game to close to close tonight um they have very regularly gone with lineups where Trevor Ariza, you know, it's kind of have your your typical Harden, Paul, Trevor Ariza as your kind of nominal one through three guys. And then you play P.J. Tucker, you know, who's basically what? What's P.J. Tucker like? I think he's maybe listed at 6'6", but, you know, maybe feels even shorter than that. But, you know, he basically just built like a brick shithouse. 6'7", um, with his Tim's on. <laughs> and and our old friend Luke Bamute, you know, 6'8", super versatile. And Tucker is often effectively the center in these lineups um but you know you look at this rockets team and you say where where would i find evidence that this is a team that you know and again they have capella they have nene um they get picked up brandon Wright. um tarik black has given them good minutes at times i mean tarik black finished the game against the bucks um in december because capella was out of that game with an illness um 
but they can play small and just basically oh, we're not even going to play those guys um, and basically just play guys who, you know, even Tucker and Baumute this year, you know, I, I mean, how often did we think, oh, if Luke Baumute can just hit that corner three, uh, wouldn't that just be, you know, that would just really tie the room together and, you know, make everything great. Um, and, you know, it's been fun. I mean, as a guy who enjoyed Luke when he was in Milwaukee, um, obviously his career kind of like was on the skids a bit when he got traded away. Um, you know, some questions about, you know, how he was going to fit in. But, um, you know, again, he's a guy that has has fit in pretty well there. I mean, well, fit in very well, I would say. Um, and again, he's not like going to shoot the lights out. I mean, he's shooting 35 percent from three. But, you know, per 36, he takes four threes. Um, what does Middleton take? A little over five. Yep. <laughs> I mean, that gives you a sense, right? Like Luke Bamute takes almost as many threes per minute as as uh, as Chris Middleton, and he hits he hits more of them. By the way, thirty five point three percent versus Chris. I think is like under thirty four percent now. Um, so he's obviously done a very nice job fitting in, um, and and also just like I mean, he's also like his attacking of closeouts has been you know I think a really pleasant surprise this year, um, and you know Tucker. Again, Tucker has been kind of like a, you know, not a super reliable three-point shooter over his career. Um, but he's a guy as well this year. Um, he's hitting 36% of his threes. And, you know, again, all those guys can go in the corner and, and at least, you know, keep teams honest. And I think that's the big question for the Bucks is, you know, when they go small, um, what happens? And, and again, the Rockets have been a good defensive rebounding team this year. They're a top 10 defensive efficiency team this year. The going small has not doomed them to, you know, being some team that just gets run over offensively. And they're only putting those guys in for, for you know, defensive or sorry, for, you know, defensive purposes. And they're sacrificing them on offense or, or the other way around, you know, they, they can yeah. go small and still play defense and swarm and rebound. And, you know, their effective field goal percentage is actually slightly below average. Um, this year, their shot chart isn't like tremendous defensively, um, but uh, overall, they've made it work. And you know, they don't foul a lot, and they can basically play really honest because they can kind of, they can just switch everything. You know, Harden's been a good post defender this year; he's been stout in that department. So um, they're just a team that, again, it, it, I think you know people should enjoy watching them right i mean you hope the bucks beat them but um watch how the how differently they play and then let's see how the bucks counter because you know i mean john henson i think was had a positive net rating when the bucks played uh the rockets last time somehow um but he also got you know switched i don't know how many times onto harden and paul because teams just tend to switch their bigs and pick and rolls and you know the rockets have been just an historically awesome iso team this year they don't pass very much they don't, you know, Dennis Wingstreet, I think they've been near the bottom of the league in pace. So they can slow the game down. They can just basically ISO Paul and Harden, <laughs> and they can kill you that way too. Um, and if you, you know, bring help against those guys, then they kick it out and those guys, other guys shoot three. So um, they're a fascinating team, and they're an absolutely, you know, a pick-your-poison type team. And, you know, I think you just hope that, you know, I, I mean, again, you probably just assume Harden and Paul are going to get theirs. You just hope that, you know, when those guys go to the basket that, those other guys miss open shots and you know gerald green has been tremendous for them as well just taking horrible shots and making an ungodly amount of them from three um they're just a different team to watch and you know i think uh, let's just say this bucks fans after this game will likely uh not be sitting back saying like man the bucks shoot too many threes right like oh we, <laughs> we take too many bad threes like 
you got to figure out how to take more threes. You watch the Rockets, you're like, okay, I'm watching the future of basketball. What are we doing wrong? Well, we don't have Chris Hart, uh, Chris Paul, and James Harden, but um, you know, I think there's a lot to to pick up, pick apart when you watch the Rockets and think about what the Bucks are doing and you know how you take maybe some of those elements and and move forward with them. I think the as I listened to you break down the the Rockets very thoroughly, I was trying to. You, you went through all these different lineup combinations and it would be like, well, they're kind of small, but they still managed to play good defense and they still managed to do good offensively. And, oh, well, they could they can have a traditional big in and do this or they can bring these guys in who are not really traditionally shooters and they get them to do this. Oh, and they're still good defensively. And there was just all these different combinations that somehow still managed to be good offensively and defensively. And all I could think of was like, man, what's the one Bucks combination that I feel confident is good offensively and defensively? Like, it doesn't exist. It does not exist. Like, even the starters who are awesome or were awesome uh, before the last like 10 games, even them, you would question, okay, is their defense really for real? Are, are they going to get beat on the boards? Like, the. Uh, the Rockets aren't some sort of cheat code. Obviously, everything in Houston kind of has a purpose, and it's very well planned out kind of how they, they want to attack teams. Um, and certainly they've gotten some luck, luck there with, like, Gerald Green being a contributor, even though he's Gerald Green. Um, like, they've had some of those things go right for them, but it speaks to putting systems in place. It speaks to having two top 10 players in the league. It speaks to having a coach who is just laser focused on all of these things. It speaks to having a GM who's the mad scientist of the NBA that figures out kind of where all the inefficiencies will be and how to take advantage of them. Like all, like it, it just speaks to a very good organization. Um, and as you think, like I said, there shouldn't be, there shouldn't be 10 combinations that the Rockets can use and get the good things and the good results that they want and not one for the Bucks. Like there shouldn't, there should be one that I feel confident can do those things. And uh, I mean, I just think it speaks to kind of where both those franchises are respectively. And, um, Obviously, it helps that Chris Paul chose the Rockets, that he wanted to go to Houston to play with James Harden. Like, that helps out tremendously. Um, but if you're watching this Rockets team without that trade, like, they're probably going to play a similar brand of basketball. Maybe they're not quite as good in some of these areas, but they still would have created a system around James Harden um, that would have found a way to play competitive basketball and very good basketball. And um, I don't know, that's, that's just really all I can think about as you think about this Rockets team is um, it helps draw out all of all of the flaws that you think of with this Bucks team. And it kind of, to me shows you just how far this Bucks team has to go in so many respects, um, which is in a way positive. Like if the Bucks have that far to go in all these regards and are still above 500, like that speaks to Giannis's brilliance and just the quality of some of the, the players on the team, but then also is a little bit depressing because it speaks to 
how poorly they're able to leverage some of those things um, and leverage that talent and leverage Giannis. Like, it, it, I don't know. There's there's some, there's a positive way to look at it and a negative way to look at it. I know most Bucks fans will probably choose the negative way because, well, they're Bucks fans um, and they don't know anything about how, how to be positive because the organization hasn't given them anything positive to really think about in a long time. So um, I don't know. It, it's, it's just uh, to me, just thinking about those organizations top to bottom when the Rockets are in town uh, is just kind of what my mind goes to. And we'll see what ends up happening in this one. If the Rockets are able to blow the Bucks out, if that back-to-back helps out a little bit and the Bucks are able to stay in this one, it, like they kind of did in the Rockets, the game in Houston the first time, uh, but we'll see. Yeah, and to put kind of some numbers around some of the stuff I was saying. So uh, Tucker and, and and the funny part that that lineup I mentioned, um, you know, I was saying if Ariza was in at, at the at the three, I'm not even in, like Eric Gordon or or or, or Trevor Ariza. It isn't even playing in that situation, right? Yeah. Like you basically have. Um, you know, Harden, Paul, obviously your lead guys, and then Gordon, who isn't shooting great. I mean, he's only like he's under thirty five percent this year, but he takes just tons and tons of threes. You know, he will he and Anderson, who Ryan Anderson is is been out, um, which I think he's out again uh, against the Bucks. Um, you know, those guys take threes from thirty feet out, right? I mean, they space the floor in just different ways. They change the geometry of the floor in ways that you know go beyond just you know walking up to the three point line and you know just waiting for passes. I mean, they're they're nowhere close to the line sometimes. <laughs> No, um, not at all. So, so the guys are, but, but I was just looking up. So on cleaning the glass, you know, looking up, okay, specifically Baumute, PJ Tucker, four five combinations. So they, they haven't played tons of those. Um, 120 possessions. They're plus 34.3 points per 100. Um, they're in the hundredth percentile of offense, 132 points per 100 scored, uh, 98th percentile defensively, 97 uh, points per 100 allowed. So that, that, that combination has been tremendous when they don't have a center, um, with them um, if you also include lineups that include Ryan Anderson so basically just saying you know what do the Rockets look like when they don't have a center so no Capella Nene or, or Tarek Black um, those lineups bigger sample 285 possessions plus 29 points per 100 so they they still just murder offensively 129 and versus 100 defensive rating um, when they don't have a center out there and um, again like I, I think I think we talked about, I tweeted about um, the the clip from Matt Velasquez's story yesterday about the Bucks going small at the end of the Pacer game, and and you know it worked to to a large extent as they were able to hold. They were if, maybe surprisingly, it worked defensively better than offensively. Yeah. Um, but they went small with Giannis and Jabari at the big spots, uh, and again they were able to to get back in the game and and hold the the Pacers without a field goal for for you know basically the last few minutes of the game. Um, and again, I know, I know there's like the argument that, well, you can't, you know, like the Rockets and Warriors, you can't just try to out-rocket the Rockets uh, or you can't just out-warrior the Warriors. Um, but like, what are you accomplishing by having John Henson or Thon Maker in this game? Like what, what, I mean, you know, you're, you're not posting those guys up and using their, you know, size to, to take advantage of PJ Tucker and Luke Bamute. They're not skilled enough to do that. They're just gonna, you know, uh, Dean uh, Dean Maniat, our friend, had a a great uh, series of tweets um, earlier today or on Tuesday, um, looking at just how jumbled and misaligned and out of position the Bucks are often offensively in terms of just you know guys crowding each other, 
you know, the wrong guy being one pass away from the post. You know, it was looking at a lot of the Giannis post-up um, possessions and just, you know, how the Bucks are basically making life spacing-wise spacing wise more difficult than it should be on themselves, um, which obviously they don't have, like, tremendous personnel to begin with it, from a spacing standpoint. So I, I think if you're Joe Prunty, I mean, I, I, yes, I know you have a bunch of centers on your roster, but who cares, right? Like, I think if ever you're going to experiment with Giannis at center, which also is probably the most reasonable way to get, you know, Jabari and Middleton and Bledsoe and, you know, potentially like Snell or Sterling Brown, whoever else your other shooter wants to be. If you want to really spread the ball around, spread, spread the floor around Giannis, um, that's the most obvious way to do it. And again, having Henson stand out there with not being a threat, doesn't make life easier on Giannis either when we talk about these, you know, driving lanes collapsing and all that. So, um, so I, I hope we see, you know, center Giannis attempted tomorrow. Uh, there's certainly going to be opportunities to do it. Um, I certainly prefer, you know, Giannis being switched onto Harden or uh, Chris Paul versus John Henson. Um, and God bless John Henson. He did as about as well as he could. But, you know, in the last minute of that game, Chris Paul got where he wanted, hit those mid-range jumpers, and that was it in that yeah. game. And, um, you know, it's just very difficult to expect any center to to defend those guys on the perimeter, and or you know, anyone, OKC, even Smalls. Yeah, like. yeah. Or, well, yeah, that's true. But at least you know you give yourself <laughs> yeah, a better yeah, chance. Yeah. And I think the the other thing too was you know like tonight like OKC kept Stephen Adams in, and Adams you know was able to get a couple buckets inside on those guys. But you know Stephen Adams is also a better player. He may not be like a you know skilled post guy, but. I really want Steven Adams in the game if I'm OKC. He's my third best player yeah. um, versus if you're the Bucks, Like, you know, John Henson, he obviously has played better for most of the season, but he's not playing particularly well right now. And, you know, what is John Henson kind of, you know, what secret sauce is he unlocking for you? I, I don't really think <laughs> much at all. I don't want to taste so. that secret sauce. No. I'm not, I'm not interested no. in whatever it's probably, it is. It's probably guac um, or something from <laughs> Chipotle. Um, so God bless John. But, you know, I think in a game like this, you know, and it's just and it's just like one of those things. It's like you know, again, if you're Joe Prunty, get weird, you know, man. You, yeah, get you need weird. a hail mary. If you're going to keep your job, you need to like unlock something that everybody at the end of the year looks like. Oh, you know, he was able to unlock John Henson at center. No, that's not what like is going <laughs> to do it. And it's not you know, late it hasn't been working. Like, do something weird. And yep. it's like, oh wow, Joe Prunty. You know, when Kid left, he started playing Giannis at center. And you know, again, you don't have to do it for like. 20 minutes a game but you know pick your spots you know the Warriors have always done that with their death lineups um pick your spots and you know again um I, I just think again we need to see more of that I think we need to see Jabari and Giannis play together and that's obviously one way to do that so um so yeah we'll we'll see I mean you know again the Bucks beat the Rockets a year ago in Milwaukee um they gave the Rockets you know all they could handle in in Houston Rockets did not shoot a ton of threes in that game, actually. I think they took like 33, I want to yeah. say, um, or 35. They were 11 out of 35. If you offered me 11 out of 35, I would bank that any day of the week. Just <laughs> um, giving me a chance. That's it. <laughs> just give, give you a chance. And interestingly, too, I mean, I think in their streak, they've been really good at taking care of the ball. They have not turned it over much at all. Um, and I think that's, you know, partly just again, I mean, it maybe isn't all that fun to watch, but. You know, they basically just get switches on Harden and Paul and let those guys work. And those guys, you know, again, you when you take so when you turn it into a one on one game with a big and, and one of those guys, um, you don't turn the ball over that much. You know, I mean, this is why those types of plays we complain about them. But this is why those types of plays often get called at ends of games, because coaches know that there's a lower chance of a turnover and you're you know able to get a shot. And 
obviously for the Rockets, um, that is a luxury that I think is going to be fascinating to see, especially in the playoffs when, um, you know, they have both those guys and um, they're able to take turns doing kind of what they want. And again, I mean, you know, sometimes it, yeah, it looks like they're just sort of taking turns, but it, it has worked beautifully so far. And I think, you know, what, what the record, I don't know what the record is now. I think it's like 33 and one that they are with um, when Capella, yep. Harden and Paul are, are, yeah, when those three all play in the same game, they've had obviously a fair number of injuries to, um, to all those guys at various points. But um, when those guys all play, uh, I mean, they have been lights out. So I don't know, maybe 33 and two might also be a teacher <laughs> idea. <laughs> we will see what happens tonight. Bucks, Rockets, Rockets come in at 50 and 13 the best team in the league with a 16 game winning streak we'll see if the bucks can break it up tonight we will also talk to you after that game for frank i'm eric this has been lockdown bucks we'll talk to you tomorrow